Hi, this is Janet Gowan welcoming you to another episode of Love Letters Live. And today I'm going to talk about what is surely a difficult topic, and that is death. I, like everybody, am watching the news about the coronavirus deaths. They are referred to as deaths. Um, and I'm, I'm so distressed to see anything regarding coronavirus deaths reported as simply rising in numbers. The numbers have spiked. Um, New York had the steepest rise in numbers since this began. I'm just, de- I'm so distressed to see rising death toll. Of course, this is horrible. And I'm distressed to see people referred to as rising numbers. We as a species, the truth is, seem to have trouble gasping the reality of large numbers of death. When 12 people are murdered in a church, we're horrified. We're horrified because we can grasp it. We can see what 12 people did means. We can picture it. And we can take it seriously because we can picture it. We do not know what 65,000 deaths look like. When I mean, now it's over that, more than that worldwide, I believe. We just can't. We can't. But we need to. I think we need to look at that. I think if the government and the medical people in charge of the news want us to take this as seriously as we need to, we have to see more than videos of hand washing and warnings to stay six feet apart. We need to have more than phrases like sheltering at home. Uh, We need to see what 65,000 dead means. We need to see bodies being carted out of hospitals, being disconnected from ventilators, being carried to whatever makeshift morgues there are. Without this, we are not going to know how serious this is. Now, I understand we don't want to cause panic. We don't want our children terrified. They're terrified anyway. We're all terrified. This is a a vicious plague that has assaulted mankind. I think when we see actual death. Uh, I mean, nobody wants to see it, but it's right in, it's the elephant in the living room, I think is what they call it. If we see it, we can then say, this is why you need to wash your hands. This is why you need to avoid congregations. You can pray at home instead of going to church. You need to stay six feet away from people when you're taking a walk, or this could be you. I think that's important. Um, I saw, uh, yeah, I, I did see one shot of bodies being buried in what seemed like kind of a, a pit. And it made a better point. It made a better point than just talking about the numbers of death. Uh, yes, it's just, it's just a terrible, terrible lack, I think, on the part of reality news. Um, yes, I, and I know that nobody wants us to panic. But alongside of news clips of people recovering. Yes, we should see those too, because hope is always in front of us, and we need to have that. There are pleas for call after calls for ventilators and masks and protective clothing, and we need to see those too. We need to contribute where we can, but we need to see bodies carted out and to know what the alternative is. If I'm sounding too harsh, I'm sorry for that, but I feel this rather strongly. Um, and this, this is just not a time for sugarcoating in any way whatsoever. We have, we can, 
and we must encourage safety uh, measures, but within the pictorial framework about what will happen if we don't. And on the subject of those who died, um, you know that I am love letters based here, but we need to remember that these are not numbers. They are not rising numbers. It's more and more tragedy striking homes and hurting people. These are mothers and fathers and grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends and the real God forbids, of course, the children who have died. Um, parents losing children. There's, there's nothing more terrifying. We can do something important in the face of all this. These people have died in isolation They've died alone without the comfort of family around them. I saw a photo recently, um, oh, yes, well, of a room full of shiny new coffins, just all lined up together, filled coffins, and there was no one near them. There, were, there was not a loving hand touching them. These people are buried in grim isolation where families and friends can't go to congreg uh, they can't congregate to comfort one another they can't mourn the dead they there are no pallbearers you know one of the things we see at a funeral is the strength of the pallbearers walking that coffin walking that person to his or her final resting place it is the love of these pallbearers who are are accompanying someone to final resting. I think this is important. There are no memorials. <coughs> Excuse me. There are no memorials for these people because we can't get together. There are no shivas. There are no wakes where people can remember out loud the, the joy of what these people brought into lives. There are no more times to get together to bathe in the positive as a group. And it is that bathing in the positive that starts the road to normalcy after a death. Um, and it's a normalcy we badly need right now, and it's hard to grab. It really is. We, we try all kinds of things, and we succeed in lots of ways. We succeed in lots of ways. There's one more way to succeed in grabbing a little bit of normalcy. You can do something here, and you know what I'm going to say. You know that I always ask each guest at some point, who gets your love letter today? And somebody's got to get one. And it turns out that everyone I've ever spoken to, just even out of curiosity, a stranger on the street, everyone has a love letter lurking that should be written that he or she would like to write, but, oh, you know, they haven't gotten around to it. I'm going to ask myself that question right now. Who gets the love letter today? And the answer is my friend in New York who died yesterday from coronavirus. Your answer may be my mother, my father, my best friend, my doctor, anyone you may have lost, anyone who is never coming home again. And what's the use of that love letter? Good question. The person is gone, but you are not. You are still here to remember everything wonderful, and you can bathe in the positive of all of this. Um, by, by writing a love letter, and who will get this love letter? I say, you write to the person who was gone, and you say, I'm writing that, you know, dear mom, my darling husband, dear wife, my sweet child, I am writing this to you, but I'm going to send it to our children, to my friends, 
to our pastor. It doesn't matter. Say who you're going to send it to, and then that's who you send it to. So how do you start something like this? I know it's a little bit hard to do. It takes some planning. But for example, you know, dear, dear dad, my heart is cracking under the sorrow of your death, but I remember and always will what you once told me about such and such, and you fill it in. I'll always remember your laughter, your ethics. Um, My mother, for example, small moments. My mother was once told that she would cut in line. She should cut it to the front of the line. I forget what the long line was, but you know, she was older. She was like already near 90 then. And somebody said, oh, just go cut in the front, but it'll be okay. She was horrified. She said, I would never cut in line. What are you talking about? These people have been waiting longer than I have. End of conversation. That is a little moment that showed kind of a strong ethical streak. And someone who wouldn't take advantage. That's worth noting in a letter, and I'm going to tell you why. First of all, it feels good to remember it. I mean, I'm smiling just thinking of it. And it's going to be passed down. We'll talk about that in a minute. But include include the favorite things, that you know, recipes they made. Include foibles that are kind of loving, you know, like you drove too fast, but you were always good at it. Whatever it is, things you remember. Um... I remember, oh, so here's another one. And I think all of us who had mothers who drove cars, my mother used to, as she would break, flop her arm across me sitting in the front seat as if she were the seatbelt. By the way, as if that would have helped if somebody had rammed us from behind, it wouldn't have. But that maternal instinct, and everyone I know has that same memory of mama flopping her arm across to pin a child to the back of the seat when it came to a sudden stop. Um, This itself should have been, yes, indication enough years ago that we needed seatbelts. Anyway, the letters you write today to people who have gone, oh, the the, the phrase, that phrase just, yes, well, anyway, um, will probably be kept somewhere. And and people don't throw these letters away. They stick them in a shoebox. They slip it into a book or a Bible, or a bedside table drawer. And these letters are always found a couple of generations later, if not sooner. They're found when the house is sold, when the family home is sold, and people have to go through drawers. They're found, they're found, I can just tell you they're found, and maybe you have found them in your life. And what happens is, your letters, the letter that you write today, will be read long after you and I are gone from this earth. And your descendants or strangers who find this will know something wonderful about someone who died in this dreadful time of the plague, 2020. But somebody will also know something about you. They will know that even in perilous times, when you were not able to leave the house, go to parties, see friends, when you were living in fear, when you were covered in gloves and masks and barely had the courage to go out of the house in many, many cases. Even during these times, generations later, people will see that you were able to look outside yourself and see the blessings of someone else's life and see what someone else meant to you. This is important. This is, you know, this is any, any letter you write is your history documented in your own hand. And this is important. This is important to the record of world history. 
be sure to date this letter, by the way, so that when people find it, they will know that it was during the time of the coronavirus. You could even put the date up above, you know, April 14th, 2020, year of the coronavirus. Let people find that in generations to come. So people are going to know a lot about, you're going to be able to keep more than somebody's memory alive. You're going to be able to keep alive the specifics of what made that person great. And by the way, please remember, you're so special and you will be missed. And It doesn't mean anything. It is the specifics of why someone is so special that mean the world and will mean the world forever, for generations down the line. I want to say that I hope you do these letters. You'll feel good doing it. You will see that even in a moment of, of, of uh, desolation, emotional desolation and heartache, you will see that as you start to write everything wonderful about someone else, your breathing will become easier, your face will relax, and you will end up, I am sure if experience is any guide whatsoever, you're going to end up smiling, if not laughing out loud, at the joyous memories evoked by someone's life. I hope you do this. I hope you do this. It will be so worth it. Um, and that's all I have to say for today. I'll be back very soon because I have a lot more to say still. Goodbye, everybody.